Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm unable to talk properly because if you cannot probably hear, my throat feels like it's going to implode on itself. It feels like glass is being drawn across my vocal cords. Not to be dramatic, but it's just... I feel like everyone at the moment has got freshers flu because I was talking to Louis yesterday and he's really ill and loads of people. I was just walking around yesterday and so many people are just coughing and spluttering. Like we're not talking like a little cup cough either. Yesterday I was walking to the tube and someone just full on just coughed in my face like a lot. And I was like, that is disgusting, disgusting. But here we are. I am ill, but we'll move. And this is why the podcast is going to be later today, because I fingers crossed hoped that my voice would be better. And it is a bit better, but it's not totally better. But we're just, we're just going to have to deal with it. Guys, it's been a week. It's been um, a very, it's been a good week, but like a very intense week. And I feel like I am starting to get more settled. I always say this. I said this to my sister when she moved to uni. You literally got to get through the first week. Once you're through the first week of like change, it gets so much easier. I feel like in freshers, this is a bit different because technically you have like freshers week and then actual beginning uni week. As soon as I'm through next week, I will be fine. It's just all so uncertain and so unknowing right now that makes me feel so kind of like nervous and a little bit overwhelmed with everything, but it's going to be fine. It is going to be fine. I actually started uni this week in the terms of like freshers. Like I didn't actually go to any classes as I just mentioned, but I met my entire class, which was really nice and everyone seems really lovely. And I met my tutors and they seem really nice and supportive as well. And in other news, I met the family that I might be working for that I am working for, which is really exciting, and it's just been a lot, but it's been really, really good. One little thing that I have worked out, so since I came to London, I knew I was going to have to work, and I knew I was going to have to find a way to fund something, and a really good way to do this is if you are looking for kind of like other types of jobs, because I didn't want to give up my weekends, because obviously my boyfriend, I want to go and see him at the weekends, I want to be able to go home, and after working in retail, it's really hard to get out of. It's really like, I know going up to Christmas is just going to be a bit of a nightmare. And so I found this job with this company called Koru Kids. And I might be pronouncing it incorrectly, but it's K-O-R-U. And if you want to do it, let me know because then I can give you a referral code and then we both get something. So definitely worthwhile. But um, it's a company where families go and they find who are wanting childcare and but not like a lot of childcare, just like a bit of childcare. And you put up an advert on the website and then they put up an advert on the website and either they can contact you or you can contact them. And then you just work for them, like, but through an agency. And the thing that's good about it is it's meant for students. Like, it's meant for, like, even if you have no nannying experience, even if you have nothing, you can do it, definitely. Um, It just kind of affects your paycheck. But then, like... The experience that I have didn't even, like, that much affect what I got. Did you know what I mean? I think it's between 10 and £15 pounds what you can and can't get. And I got 12 And I have, like, tutoring experience, volunteering experience, like, quite a lot of different experience with different children. But because it was all kind of not in a professional nannying setting, it was more, like, tutoring over Zoom, I guess. I'm not really sure why, but I think people who are obviously parents or they have like more professional experience then they get paid more but 12 pounds an hour is still great and the thing is you don't get holiday pay because obviously it's kind of it's like a different type of job that's how it always works with agency jobs you don't really get holiday pay they just add it onto your paycheck but 12 pounds an hour is good like ah that that is perfect because if i do six hours so i do three two three hour shifts so easy 
if I do that twice a week, that's £72 extra. That's like a lot of money that's helped me because this week, oh, London is expensive. And do you know what's expensive? The tube. I paid for a travel card, which means that you get unlimited travel in zones one and two, but it's like £100 a month, which is expensive. But this week I've easily spent 30 quid because I'm spending £7 a day on travel. It's so expensive because the tube doesn't feel like real money. And that is a real issue. Also, speaking of the tube, I've got lost so many times this week that it's slightly embarrassing, but it's fine, you know? I feel like everyone's going to get lost at some point, and it's just part of getting used to London. I've now found the best way to get to my university, which is good, and I am a little bit apprehensive about it. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays when I have to go and do my, like, nannying... I have to leave uni early, which is kind of stressful, and I'm not sure how that's going to work, but I think it's going to be fine, and I just need to, like, but I have to do it. I have to earn money whilst I'm here, otherwise I'm literally going to be, like, it's not actually possible for me to live on otherwise. So, it's not really optional, and the good thing about it is as a lot of the recorded, a lot of the lectures are recorded, so I'm just going to have to do it that way. But, you know, when you're kind of nervous because you don't know how it's all going to work out, and don't know why timings just make me anxious. <laughs> they make me stressed. I feel like 40 minutes should be long enough to get there. And if I'm there too early, I can adjust it for the next time and everything like that. But it's all just a little bit uncertain. This is why I think you need two weeks. Like, as soon as I've done this first week, then it'll be fine. And in a weird way, I'm kind of glad that I started with the job because now I'm not going to know it without the job. Do you know what I mean? Like, my one of my best friends at uni, in undergrad, she had a job and we didn't. And because she had it since she was, like, first year... She always knew how to get everything done in that amount of time. Like, she'd never had more time than that, so she was fine with it. But, like, we were like, if I had to start now, I'd be so stressed because I would not know how to fit everything in. So I think that is a little tip if you are thinking about starting working or something. Although it can feel overwhelming to get it all starting at the beginning, it does mean that you get accustomed to that routine and having that amount of time which is really really good and I feel like that's easier to settle into and also it gives you something else kind of going on in your week which is a different type of thing but anyway it wasn't optional so I have to do it so I just need to get over my anxiety of traveling and just go and it'll be fine other new things that I've done this week okay let me see Ugh. A lot, a lot of new things to be honest I have been on Friday we went out with my course because we haven't really had like a social type of thing yet. We had like a few drinks after like uni, but not not like a proper social type thing. And they were all going to the university pub, which is in my university. And I was so nervous and so scared about it. But I brought one of my housemates along with me, which was so lovely. Because now she's like, also I'm aware of how horrible my voice sounds. And I'm so sorry, but there's not a lot I can really do about it. So we've just got to persevere. And hope that it warms up throughout this episode, which I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. I should have just done this episode on Wednesday when I wasn't ill. That would have been the smart thing to do. But we move. <laughs> um, so I brought my housemate along with me, which was perfect. Because now she's met like my course. And I think that's really nice to like, meet people early on. So that when you start to do things, then it's not as awkward to bring people along. But it's the cheapest bar I've ever been to in my entire life. It was £1.50 for a single. And it was £10 for a bottle of red wine. So obviously we got a bottle of red wine because we're saving money here. It was brilliant. It, it was great and it was really nice to see everyone in a more casual setting. And I know it is nerve-wracking starting a new course. And I know it is nerve-wracking kind of getting to know new people. But I would really encourage you to go to the social type of events because you feel it's just so much, I don't know, it's just a really nice way to interact with people going forward. And it makes it feel less forced and it's just 
I feel like it just breaks the ice so much easily, so much more easily. So I would recommend, even if you don't stay for long, like I don't, I was not the first there. I was late, like I was an hour and a half late and I left within like an hour, an hour and a half. But just going and showing your face and making a bit of effort makes a massive difference. You don't have to drink or anything like that, which is what I'm getting onto in this podcast episode. But it was a really, really funny night. And then we came back and we went to Spoons and we got a bottle of wine there. It was the most horrific wine I've ever drank in my entire life. It was a Shiraz. I can't drink Shiraz. I can't do it. It's horrible. It's You know when you have a sip and it just makes you feel instantly sick? That was the vibe. That was the vibe. Not okay. So then we came back and went to the fish and chip shop. I have a fish and chip shop at the end of my road. And if that isn't a sign that this house was meant to be, like... And it's a really good one, but because I was drunk, I ordered so much food that the chips genuinely looked like a small child. It was huge. It was bigger than my head. It was incredible. And so I just came back and ate potato on potato on potato. Oh, actually, bread's not potato. I had, like, a chip sandwich. Incredibly delicious. Would highly recommend if you're ever hungover. It sorted me out, to be honest. And I think it meant... This was the thing as well, because we got back and I started drinking squash because I was so thirsty from the fish and chips. I, like didn't have a hangover the next day because I carried on drinking water and like stayed up later and carried on drinking water and I've never done that before because we were just I don't know why we didn't go to bed we were just chatting and everything but I kind of just slowly stopped drinking subtly like not an active choice I just didn't really fancy drinking anymore and I think because we were at home I didn't really feel the I didn't feel forced to drink it anymore and I felt fine the next day which meant that yesterday I could have such a nice day and I'm so happy with what I did because today it's super cloudy and that would have been really annoying if I'd have just stayed inside all day so yesterday I woke up felt a bit like uh, I wanted to do something get out of the house because I want to make the most of whilst I have like nothing going on right now I feel like I need to make the most of it and so I woke up and I got myself ready, as I said, and then or I wasn't sure whether to go to like the V&A, which is um, the Victoria and Albert Museum, which is also an art gallery, or the Tate, but turns out the V&A is really far from where I am, and I didn't really fancy that, and so I took the tube to Liverpool Street, I want to say, and then I walked along South Bank, and it was such a sunny day, like, it was beautiful, it was such a nice day, and I wore like a nice outfit, and I did this all on my own, by the way, like, it was like a little self-care day and I really really enjoyed it because it didn't cost me any money apart from the transport like it was all totally free and walking along South Bank I think is one of my favorite things to do like genuinely I love walking along because you get to see all the sights and it just feels very London-y <laughs> I don't know if that's like the inner tourist in me but I loved it and then I went to the Tate and like walked around the exhibition there I was kind of annoyed because I thought they had the you know the dot um it was like the uniqlo dot exhibition and it was where everyone had like these stickers and you could go in and stick them anywhere and i really wanted to see that because i thought it looked really cool but they didn't have that anymore but what they did have was this exhibition on the aboriginal culture in australia and that was really interesting and really really good and if you are looking for something free to do in london that is really good i would definitely recommend it had such interesting like it was really well curated and I enjoyed like the different mediums of art in there which was really good it had a lot of textile type of prints art but also this one lady I can't remember her name 
did textiles um, with also these blown glass sculptures to each part of a story. So when one of the ones that was like a standout image was it was her great great grandfather who was a sheep shearer and he was quite famous for that. And it was like his photo. And then she'd present him with um, a new tool, new toolbox and like all of these um, new tools that she'd made from glass and to kind of like insinuate this is what she was giving to them this is how this is what they deserved this is what they needed this was the kind of ideal life that they should have had but what was stripped from them by British colonialism and the just what happened in Australia so it was really interesting there was also um an interest there was like a a movie as well in there which like was 11 minutes long it was a four-part movie about what happened in I think I want to call it Palm Island I could be wrong I can't remember the exact things of it I should have taken notes but I didn't I was just too engrossed in watching it all and about how um an aboriginal man was killed in state was killed by a state police in 2004 in prison and the kind of the riots that ensued from that and how the Aboriginal people, how a lot of their land was taken and how it, it just all of the different kind of things that have been happening in Australia and the different tensions and why they've been rising. And it was just a really, really well put together, um, just a well, I won't say piece, but it's not a piece, a well put together part of the gallery. Um, I really liked it and I really liked it was something different I wasn't really expecting in there because I didn't realise that that show was on. I didn't realise that. And it was free as well. Sometimes the things in the Tate, like, I know there's a glass, there's a mirrors, a light show that I really want to go see. Um, but you have to pay for that. Whereas for this, you don't have to pay. And so it was really, really good. And I would recommend because I think I've seen quite the, like, the standard stuff in the Tate quite a lot. And so it was nice to see a new exhibition in there that you didn't have to pay for and was really, really informative and interesting. So I would definitely recommend you did that and then by the time I'd done that I'd been out for four hours and I came back and got ready and we went to Brick Lane for a curry which was so yummy and if you're here I feel like it's a definite touristy thing to do but it was so good and I would definitely recommend like we got they do these deals which I didn't even realize so when we first got there they were like okay we'll give you 25% off whatever you want and then we walked away and they're like okay okay no for 17 pounds you can get a starter a main naan rice and two drinks for £17. And I was like, oh my god, that's incredible. And I had a chicken tikka boona. It was incredible and delicious. And would really recommend them. We went for drinks around Brick Lane. And then everyone else kind of stayed out. But as you can hear, I am feeling very ill. So I came back, which kind of leads on nicely to the topic of this week's podcast. Which is my relationship with drinking and alcohol. And... How that has changed over the past few years, because it has changed quite a lot. And I think alcohol and going out and things like that, it's something that's ingrained on us to have quite a lot of pressure put onto it. And it's hard to say no. And I think it's an interesting topic. I don't think a lot of people talk about it because you're kind of scared of being branded as like boring or like you're missing out or something like that. And so weirdly, I was kind of nervous to record this episode, which is totally pathetic and ridiculous and really strange I don't know why I was nervous about like properly nervous about it but I think that probably means I should record it more because it's nothing to be nervous about and it's something I've built up in my head so yeah I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and make sure you are following me on Instagram to answer the podcast questions at the end if you want to send anything in so this week's podcast topic is all about my relationship with alcohol 
binge drinking culture, drinking at university, because I think a lot of these are topics that give people a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, and it's one of the biggest, scariest things that I had when I turned, like, 18, 19 and started going to university was experiencing this binge drinking culture and the pressure that's associated with it, because I could not see in my head how I was going to, like, go and carry on without going on drinking, like, I could not see what I was going to be doing without drinking at all, and that was making me feel so anxious and so nervous, which created a kind of, like, weird relationship with alcohol, because I wasn't drinking because I wanted to, I was drinking because I felt like I had to, and that always means you take it too far because you don't know when to stop, because you're not stopping when the fun stops, because you weren't enjoying yourself loads to begin with. I think it's quite strange that freshers is... Like, the whole concept of freshers in the UK is literally get as drunk as you can for an entire week, like, literally drinking every single day as drunk as you can and make, like, and try and make friends that way. And I kid you not, I cried every single night at freshers and probably that was to do with how much I was drinking. I was so anxious in the day. I was so anxious in the mornings. I was scared I'd, like, I'd embarrass myself. I didn't know what to do. I was, like, overthinking everything I'd said the night before. And that, like, I feel sorry for younger me because, and I still struggle with it now, but I lacked the ability to know when I wanted to do something and when I was just doing it because everyone else was doing it. And I didn't think that I could have fun on a night out unless I drank. And this made me have a really skewed relationship with alcohol because I felt like I had to drink every single time that I went out, which, as I said, didn't make it so I was drinking when I wanted to have a good time and I was drinking all the time when I didn't even want to drink. And then that was tricky because then I was just trying to get as drunk as humanly possible as fast as possible because I didn't want to drink. Like, I remember being like, I wish I could just take a pill that made me drunk, that, like, meant that I didn't have to put in the effort with drinking so I could just feel it, so I could just, like, so I don't have to be it because I didn't want to be left out and not on a level, but I also didn't even enjoy the process. And it's so weird to think of, like... Like, uni pre's and freshers in the second year, we literally just all sit around a table and all have, like, a bottle of wine, two bottles of wine, any, like, whatever you're drinking, and drink it as fast as we could before we went to a club so that we didn't have to buy any drinks in there. And that is also not a healthy way to drink because I was getting so drunk so fast and it's such a... It's dangerous. It's not healthy to be able to drink that quickly and it makes you have a really strange night out because then I would be trying to buy drinks when I was out and I would just be really 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 fucked and it just wasn't I didn't even know these people that well I didn't even know them and I'm like trusting them with my very very drunk state and they're trusting me with their very drunk state and like we're all looking after each other and this is the thing like it is like it does bring you together and I obviously do like going out this is the thing I do like going out I love going to clubs, I love going to raves, I love going out for drinks, like last night we went to Brick Lane and then we went out for a few drinks on Brick Lane and it was really, really fun, but I don't like casual drinking as much anymore and now I only really drink if it's like a really fun thing that I'm going to go do, if it's like a special occasion, if it's um, like a night out that we've planned, like if it's a thing then I'm going to drink, but if it's not I tend to stop because I don't even want to do it and I think that's something that I've had a really hard pill swallowing because I was so scared of being told that I was just really boring and, like, that people would resent me for it and that has been a massive thing in my head for the past, kind of, like, two or three years is the fact that I knew 
I don't really love drinking <laughs> and I was really scared to just not drink because I was so fearful that everyone would just think that I was really boring and that I'd stop being invited to everything and that basically I'd have no social life because I felt that all of my social life plans revolved around drinking and going out and so if I stopped doing that then I'd be the odd one out and that would make me stand out more and then I'd have less friends and it was just this vicious vicious cycle but in hindsight if I had kind of said I wanted to go out like like at the weekend but I wasn't really interested in going out on the week and I joined other societies and clubs for the week and did it kind of that way around I would have found more like-minded people who didn't want to drink in those times and I'd have found probably like a friendship group where I didn't feel as stressed about not drinking and the tricky thing is as well it was all in my head I don't think if I had a if I had decided not to drink in like year one year two I don't think anything would have been different but I had built it up into such thing in my head where that wasn't even an option. That wasn't, that was nothing. I had to drink and that was it. And as well, it was the quantity that I was drinking. Like it was uni, so everyone was doing this, but we were all drinking so much alcohol, like getting into states that were not healthy, feeling so shit the next day. And it was just like this vicious, vicious cycle. And I think the more I've learned about like how anxious I get after I drink, the more I've been able to like, realize is it worth it for me like start questioning it more and I think a lot of this ability to question whether something is good for you whether you actually want it whether you're just doing it because of peer pressure comes when you get older so it's not something that like you're born with well some people are I was not it's taken me a while and I think it's taken me a lot of like distance to be able to question it more I think it was only really when I left university and moved home because of the pandemic that I was kind of out of this binge drinking cycle of like did I even want to drink that I could start questioning when I even wanted to drink alcohol and when I didn't want to drink alcohol because when I was at home I just wouldn't really it was like there wasn't I didn't really see the point I would probably drink at the weekends with my parents in lockdown because it was boring but like I wasn't really drinking in the week and then it started making me question how much I really enjoy drinking how much it really brings like how much of a good time I have when I am drinking and start to realize that it wasn't every single time it wasn't if it was a hundred percent of the time I'd have carried on but it wasn't it's maybe like 40 percent of the time 30 percent of the time and it was I enjoyed drinking and going on nights out when I really wanted to go to the event which sounds such a stupid thing to say but like when there's something that you want to go to and you want to drink for it, then you're going to have a great time. But if you're just having free time and you're forcing yourself to go out because that's what you feel like you have to do, I found then I obviously wasn't having a good time because that's not how I wanted to spend my time. That's not what I wanted to be doing. And that made me feel kind of a lot of anxiety, pressures. Should this even be what I'm doing? I just need to get drunk as fast as I can. And then it proliferated this really negative thought process and thought cycle around drinking that made me have a bad time and maybe the next day wake up anxious because not only was I kind of resentful of the fact that I had gone out because I was like oh I could have gone to the cinema I could have done this or that or this or that I was also resentful of like how much money I'd spent because not only when you're drinking it's so expensive it's so expensive like last night the cocktails were like 10 pounds or 20 pounds which is really nice and lovely to treat yourself to but that like three of those every other night you go through money so quickly and I think that was another thing I kind of wake up the next day and be like I didn't really want to spend 60 quid I didn't I wasn't really a bit annoying really and I think now I'm in London 
it's not really the thing I have the flexibility to do. Like, I can't just be like, okay, it's fine. I will budget harder next week because I'm spending so much more money here that I don't have as much of a buffer region anymore. And so I have to be quite conscious of when I do want to go out, when I don't want to go out and how I want to spend my money. And I think that's also made me feel less guilty about not wanting to go out as often because in my head I have a more feasible excuse as to why I'm not and that's also sad that in my head it is not enough of an excuse just to be like I actually don't want to go out and drink I actually don't want that I don't want to wake up and feel anxious like I'm having a good time just as it is and I think that's also kind of it's something that I'm working on and I'm trying with it but it is weird and it is I think so much of our culture, as I said, is built on drinking. When you look at our parents' generation, so much of what they did, because drinking was so cheap and drinking is what everyone did, so many things are built upon drinking. Like, when you are celebrating something, you have a glass of something. You have a glass of, like, a glass of champagne is, like, the ultimate celebration type of drink, isn't it? It's what people get, or Prosecco, or anything like that. That's, like, celebration type thing. Or when, on a Friday night, Saturday night, people are looking forward to going to the pub and going drinking and that type of thing. And... It's something that I'm now realising doesn't make me weird or, like, strange or boring for not wanting to do those things anymore, for not wanting to spend every single Friday or Saturday night. Because this was the other thing, the kind of, like, thought process I have around it all is that I don't really want to wake up both days really hungover because I have so many other things that I want to do on my weekends. I have such busy weeks that the weekends are only really, like, my time off and if I'm going out all the time, I'm just waking up and wasting the next day. And I think that kind of came more into practice this year because I was working more like I was working the most intensely I've ever worked on that internship like it was really intense um I hadn't really done anything like that before and so now when I did have my weekends it was stressful because like I wanted to just relax like I was stressed in the week and I really really needed to just be able to relax at the weekends and I knew if I drank on both of the days and I'd be feeling shit and so now I've kind of realized in my relationship with alcohol that I like drinking on a Friday, I don't like drinking on a Saturday. Which, I think it's all of these baby steps to slowly accepting and realising in my mind that it's okay, that I don't like drinking. And it's a really strange pressure that I feel around it. And it's a really strange, like, anxiety. that I, Like, I posted a TikTok yesterday and it was about how, like, you don't have to drink all the time, like, it's okay. And the nervousness and anxiety and, like peer like fear no it's gonna say peer pressure but it wasn't peer pressure just like the fear I felt about posting that that everyone was gonna judge me and be like oh my god just so boring like that type of thing was really weird and I haven't really explored it before like why do I think that it's really weird that I don't like, want to go drinking like why do I think that's associated with being boring and that that's the only way to have fun and I think it all stems back to this uni binge drinking culture of like if you didn't want to drink like I remember in first year uni I wanted to join the netball team but I didn't join it because of the initiation trials they were so horrible it was like wear like this outfit and then drink an entire bottle of wine before you enter the pub and then drink five shots when you get in and then like basically the entire thing was just get as drunk as humanly possible like they would get you as drunk as you could and that made me so scared and so nervous and I was like oh my god what if I throw up what if I like embarrass myself what if I can't get home what if something terrible happens to me that stopped me joining because the alcohol side of things and I think that's another really really sad thing about the binge drinking culture is it's made its way into so many things that didn't need to be about that and that's isolated people that don't want to do that that's isolated people that aren't interested in that type of way like it totally stopped me I've never joined any of the societies because of the initiations because I just didn't 
fancy doing that and so many of the socials and everything were just based on drinking and no one I think this is the other thing that no one wants to go and do the things that aren't drinking as much people don't I don't know they don't get as good of a response I feel nervous suggesting them so that's why I just didn't really join them and I think that's also sad I think that's the way that the binge drinking culture is kind of everywhere and this is the other thing it's not drinking culture per se because on a Friday night, I really like going to the pub or, like, Saturday night. Like, I really enjoy going to the pub, chatting with everyone, having that kind of, like, communication-type thing. It's really, really fun, and it's a nice social event, and it's easy, and everyone enjoys that. But what I don't enjoy as much anymore is the kind of the intensity of it all and the anxiety that I feel the next day and the pressure associated with it. And I think it's mainly the pressure. I think the pressure is the thing that gives me the most anxiety because it makes me feel out of control. And it has taken me so long to kind of accept that I don't have to do things that everyone else is doing. It's made me question a lot about my like experience of like FOMO. And I think that comes into play a lot with drinking. Like last night I like, I was going out with some people, we had some drinks, like, I didn't actually drink last night, I had, like, some beers with the meal, but I was just feeling really, really ill, I just didn't actually fancy drinking, like, I didn't fancy it, but that, I don't know, they, you know in your head where you don't, I felt too tired and too ill, that just meant that I wasn't going to get drunk no matter what I drank, it just didn't feel like I was, and also, I knew that I'd spent quite a lot the night before, the, I'd spent, like, on the meal, I hadn't worked as much this week, so I couldn't actually afford to go out twice this weekend, and so I didn't drink, and I was nervous initially, like, I didn't really plan it, but then I was nervous, but then I was like, it's absolutely fine that I don't want to drink, no one is judging me, it's literally all in my head, and it was all in my head, and I still had a really nice time, and I think sometimes that is the other thing about being, like, swapping from drinking to then, like, kind of accepting that you're not going to drink all the time, even if other people are drinking around you, like, you don't always have to, if you're not feeling it, that's absolutely fine, is building it up into this massive thing, like, building up to this massive thing where you think you need to leave early, where you need to leave everyone, where you need to kind of limit your social contact, that type of thing, and it doesn't have to be that way in the slightest, and it's taken me a while to realise that as well, that even, like, after the meal, I stayed and we went to, like, three different bars, and I stayed for all of them, and I just got, like, soft drinks or other types of drinks, and I was there, and I had a really, really nice time, because you're still chatting with everyone, and I think the key thing about it is, is when, if you are going on a night out, but you don't want to drink as much, and everyone else is drinking, is kind of staying for like the bit of the social part afterwards whilst everyone is kind of still sober and chatty and everything and then you know there comes a point where there's like the drink where people start to get a little bit more drunk and it's kind of funnier and you don't always have to leave at that point like it is jokes and you can still have a really good time kind of leaving when you feel ready to leave because I think if you leave early because of like you're feeling anxious about not being able to drink or you're leaving early because you're overthinking the drinking and everything like that, then you can cut yourself off from these social experiences which can make you feel way more isolated and way less part of like the group of what you're doing. Just because, and I think this is the other thing with not wanting to drink all the time, you have to accept that that is not the majority point of view. And it is slowly becoming, like I remember reading an article yesterday in Vice that 26% of people are now sober and, like, a third of people that enter the pub aren't drinking, and I think it's becoming a lot more, like, prominent, it's becoming a lot more prominent in society not to drink, but I still think it's something that isn't the norm, and so 
you have to be okay with leaving early but leaving at that point where it's still really fun and that you've had a good time and not leaving so early that you feel like you're missing out on everything because then you are cutting yourself off from these experiences and it fuels that idea of FOMO leaving when you end when you've stopped having fun I think that's the biggest thing for me is that when I don't drink when I drink I stay until the very end because I can't like the anxiety and the FOMO like it's too much and I'm too scared and I'm just too scared of walking home my own all of these types of things but when I'm not drinking I have more confidence about myself and I think that also leads to a better night when I know I don't want to drink and I leave at a good point and I've still had a really really nice time it's accepting that you're still going to have a good time even if you don't drink but it's weird and I think my kind of concept around all of this changed when I well the thing is throughout summer I didn't really drink and so I had the weekends it was really important as I said to keep them really nice and so I would drink on a Friday but I didn't really drink on a Saturday or anything like that because also it was so expensive and I was trying to save money and then when I went to Bali we couldn't really drink that much because it was not it was just not easy to drink there because you were obviously on the scooters you couldn't drive drunk obviously taxis are expensive everything's kind of far away from each other which meant that you didn't really drink that much. And on the two times when I did drink a lot, my hangover, I swear to God, was the worst thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. I thought I was dying both days. And I didn't really, like, enjoy it in the slightest. So that meant I didn't drink loads whilst I was away. So when I was coming into this, I was also in a better headspace of, like, I know I can have loads of fun even if I don't drink. So only drink if you really want to. And I think that's the biggest message from this podcast is if you can start questioning... Like, you know those nights out that you want to go on but you don't want to drink and the whole drinking and feeling nervous the next day and you've got work and you don't know how you're going to fit it all in? Why do you feel like you have to drink for it? Why do you feel like you need to drink for that experience? Because I could have very easily have just gone home last night and just not gone to the bars or anything like that. But you are allowed to go to a bar and not drink. Like, it is it is humanly possible. There are other nice drinks to have. Like, you can and it's fine and I would recommend going because you still have a really good time and you can leave at a good time and you're not going to feel hungover the next day and you've still done something with your evening. And I think this is the thing. Although it is kind of, as long as you don't make like a massive deal out of it, I think that's the other big thing. Just don't make a big deal out of it. And no one else will too. And it's realising that the people around you aren't meant to make you feel really like nervous or self-conscious for not doing something. And they're not meant to try and peer pressure you into drinking and that you don't need an excuse for not drinking. These are all things, by the way, that's taken me years to realize but friends should not question if you don't want to drink your friends should be fine with that it shouldn't impact their night in the slightest um and I think a lot of the peer pressure around drinking and not drinking comes from that like scared to let people down but if they are your friends and they shouldn't they should allow you to do whatever you want to do and whatever you... They should just be happy for your company and they shouldn't make you feel weird about it and it shouldn't be this big thing and they shouldn't call you boring and they shouldn't make you feel really stressed or nervous about admitting it or anything like that. And if they are, I would... Um, depends how intense it is, but I would honestly have a little conversation with them about it because it makes you feel so shitty and I think that becomes quite, like... It can be quite, like, anxiety-inducing, like, saying, like, I don't want to drink tonight and is everyone going to think I'm really weird or am I going to be really left out or anything like that? And I think if they are trying to encourage that type of behaviour in yourself because they want you to drink, then that is not a true friendship and that is not healthy and that is something that you should have a conversation about because they should just want you there for your company. And I think it's this other... like You've now realised that you're able to have fun without drinking. 
now they need to realise it too, that it doesn't impact their night. And I guess, I mean, I guess it kind of does if it's just you and them and you were going to go out for drinks and now you're not drinking anymore. I guess that kind of changes it. And in that type of situation, I'd probably just suggest like an alternative night out, like an alternative night out to go out or like a different type of evening. Do you want to cook dinner together? Do you want to go to the cinema? Like something else because drinking alone is not much fun and they might be disappointed in the sense that that was their expectation and you've kind of changed it last minute. But as long as you communicate all of this, then it's fine. And I think the final thing about not wanting to drink all the time and not, like, wanting to do that is realising that there are other things that you can do that are fun, that are going to make you have a really good time, and is actively suggesting these to your friendship group because it might not be on their radar. They probably are very happy and content with what they're doing and they don't really want to change things. It's you that want to change things. So you've got to suggest these different types of activities. Say that you're going to go to the cinema, say that you're going to go to the museum, say that you're going to go to, I don't know, watch this thing at the theatre. Whatever you're thinking you're going to go and do... If you suggest it, then that makes it that everyone's able to do it and everyone's able to think about it, but it's probably just not on their radar. This is the other thing with drinking culture. It's become such like the standard thing to do that's meant that we can become really uninventive with what we want to do and how we want to spend our time. And when you want to kind of stop doing that, it means you have to become more inventive because it's not the norm. Normally, everyone on a Friday or Saturday just goes out and gets really drunk, which is fun some of the time. But right now, we're trying to, like, I'm trying not to do it all of the time because I know how anxious it makes me the next day and how expensive it is and I can't really afford it and I've been over all of these things but I think that's the thing actively suggesting these other things as well really helps you can't just expect everyone else to be able to suggest these things for you and to know other things to do if you're active in suggesting it I think that makes it so much easier to like adapt your plans to as well and that's the other thing if you don't want to go out with everyone on the Friday night don't just sit at home plan something else to do plan another way to spend your time like you still it's still a Friday night and it's about marking these like periods of free time these periods of social time with other really fun things that you can do to occupy yourself, like other things that you can spend your time doing other than drinking. Because I think the more that you fill your time with things that aren't drinking, the less you feel left out about things because you're doing other things in your life. You don't feel like you're missing out because you're managing to do so many other things. And it's easier to accept in my head. In my head, I have such like an argument of like pros and cons, pros and cons, pros and cons. And when I'm doing something else that's positive, it's way easier to balance the pros and cons of not going out. If I just sit at home whilst everyone else is going out, I'm like, I'm lonely, I'm bored, I'm missing out, this is terrible. But if I'm doing something else, then I'm so much happier and I don't think so much about it all and I feel way less anxious and it's just generally better for my headspace. So I think this is the thing my relationship with alcohol is changing as I'm getting older. I'm realising that there's less how much pressure I've associated with it as I've got older, how much pressure I have it associated with like the only way to make friends, the only way that I'm like confident or funny, the only way that kind of like I like. Like I feel like for a while I felt like I was so much better when I was drinking and then I realized that that's also not really a healthy mindset to be in because that's not really me that's not really who I am it's kind of like you with Dutch courage and so exploring this period of my life where I'm not drinking as much and this sounds like I'm going like teetotal I'm not I literally drank on Friday and last night like I'm gonna definitely drink one night a week because it's fun and there's always things going on and I love going out and that type of thing but it's becoming comfortable with when I don't want to drink saying no to that like accepting that feeling because I think when I forced myself in the past to go out and get really drunk and have those experiences it's never been a positive experience and I've never come home really glad that I forced myself to and I think it's listening 
intuitively to what you want and what you need in this period of your life and whether that's something that you want and also realizing that no one's going to judge you for it it's been the biggest hurdle to get over in my mind is that I don't actually want to drink all the time and that everyone's going to think I'm really boring and I'm not going to have any friends and I'm not going to be able to do anything right and that's been a really hard thing to get over but it's been positive and I'm glad I've started to work on it because I think in our society it's really like I look at so many adults now and that's all their weekend really composes of is just drinking and there's so many other things to do that I kind of want to try and do other things you know I want to find other things I could do also it's so expensive as I said and I can't afford this life anymore but I think that's the thing it's realizing that you're not missing out on that much it's staying so you're still having a good social time and then leaving when everyone just starts to get a bit more drunk and you're kind of you're bored and you're tired and you're ready to go home but it's just not cutting the night off early so that you don't feel like you're missing out anyway I'm rambling but accepting that you don't want to drink all the time is nerve-wracking I was so scared of being branded as like the super boring person but it hasn't happened yet there's so many other things that you can do and you realize that people don't care as much as you do think they do and it is eye-opening eye-opening but now on to your questions about this week's podcast there's only really been one main question about not drinking at university and it's been like quite repeated through a lot of different people and it's like the nervousness that they have about not drinking and how they feel about that in their lives and how they feel like they're going to be able to tell this to people and whether or not it's going to be a positive experience or a negative experience and I think the biggest thing about not wanting to drink all the time is realising that you're not missing out on anything because you don't want to do it anyway. You are not missing out and it's filling your time with other types of activities and plans that's going to make you feel like you're not missing out on anything. And I think that's really important. It's filling your life with other things so that you feel like saturated with good things. You don't have enough time to focus on the things that you are not doing. And I think it's also realising that if you are making friends and they're judging you for not wanting to drink all the time with you, then they're not positive people in your lives, they're not good friends and you need to find other people to spend your time with because you deserve better than that. And I think it's not, everyone knows how bad peer pressuring is and I think around drinking culture it's become quite normalised to peer pressure people into drinking when they don't want to drink. And I think it's become quite normalised to like stereotype people that don't drink as like really boring or not much fun or anything like that. And I think that's also there's not a lot we can really do about that because that's such an ingrained stereotype in society but I think you realize slowly but surely that your friends actually don't care that much and the first time you do it you realize it's not even that bad like going on a night out it's still really fun you're still gonna have a really good time you're gonna be able to chat with everyone you're still gonna laugh loads and it's taking it down from this massive big experience in your head to something that's pretty normal and just normalized and so I would definitely recommend trying it and seeing what happens worst comes to worst you have a terrible night out and you work out planning something different but like last night I went to bars and I didn't drink and I had such a good time and it was really really fun and I woke up this morning I felt great so it would 10 out of 10 recommend okay so now on to the new things that I have done this week which has been as I said I went to the Tate yesterday and I saw that exhibition on um, Australia and it was brilliant and I would highly recommend going it was really really insightful and I really enjoyed like the different mediums of art that were shown and the way it was put together as a curation, like the way it was curated together. I thought that was really interesting. I liked, I just really liked it. And it wasn't super busy either. Like I went on a Saturday afternoon, which is probably like the busiest time you could go to the Tate and it was a really good time to go. 
and it's free as well. So definitely recommend going to that. I also would recommend definitely trying out your student bar because it's the cheapest place you're going to be able to drink. I promise you that. It was so good on Friday night. This is the other thing about drinking. I do still drink and like I have a really fun time when I do. It's just less pressure about it all and I think that's what's important. But yeah, went to the student bar on Friday. So much fun. Would highly recommend. Way cheaper than your average bar as well, as I have said. So definitely do that. I've also been watching Dharma. Oh my god. I'm two episodes from the end and it's intense. It's so intense. And yeah, watch it with a warning that if you are squeamish or if you like are sensitive to these stuff, just read up about it before you watch it. Cause like, I don't know if I'd recommend it and I don't know. It's, it's pretty intense. I think it is an interesting storyline because it's just so messed up. Like it's interesting to contemplate that there are actually people like this. And the entire time, me and my housemates have just been like, oh my God, I'm so glad you guys are normal. This could have been horrific. This could have been so scary. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting one to watch. I'm near the end and I think I'm going to finish it today. So that'll be really good to end that. I'm also reading at the moment, it's over there, I'll go get the title in a second. It's called A Case Study by George something, beginning with M. And it's really good. It's my new current favourite thing I'm reading. It's so good. So the entire premise of the storyline is that this do- this woman's sister kills herself and she's reading this really famous therapist, like his notes and like his case studies. And although he changed his, he changed all of the details, obviously, he was speaking about his sister, her sister, and she becomes convinced that this therapist killed, this is all true by the way, she becomes convinced that the therapist killed his sister, her sister, that it was all of him. And so... The only way that she's able to prove this is if she becomes a patient of his herself and to expose his ways of working because he had quite a strange therapy technique. And so she becomes one of his patients and records all of her findings in journals and notebooks. And these journals and notebooks were found after she died by her cousin, like many, many years later, over maybe in like the past few years. They were found from the 19, I want to say 1950s, but it's probably like 1920s. I don't know the exact date, but they were found. And now his like the guy, the therapist, I think it's called Braitweight, I won't say that, I could very much be wrong, I'm going to find out in a second, his therapy was a very unusual style of therapy, he was almost like a celebrity in his time, and this woman had done a lot of research about him, was about to publish his memoir, and she got sent all of these notebooks, and so she's written this book, which is like intertwining the notebooks in their original form, like she hasn't embellished them or anything this was what the notebooks say like with more about the therapist so you'll read like one notebook and then you'll read a section on the therapist you're getting to know both of these two characters and kind of like it's almost like a biography but from a very strange point of view it's brilliant and it's really like fast-paced reading because you're so intrigued about what's going to happen so would definitely recommend that I'm going to go find the title now Okay, so I got it wrong. So it's actually called Case Study, and the author is Graham McRae Burnett. Um, so this is the back, the blurb. London, 1965. An unworldly young woman believes that a charismatic psychotherapist, Colin Braithwaite, has driven her sister to suicide. Intent on discovering the truth, she assumes a false identity and presents herself to him as a client, recording her experiences in a series of notebooks, but soon she finds herself drawn into a world in which she can no longer be certain of anything. In case study, Graham McRae Burnett presents these notebooks interspersed with the biography of Colin Braithwaite. The result is a dazzling page-turning and wickedly humorous meditation on the nature of sanity, identity and truth itself by one of the most inventive novelists writing today. It's so good and it's so brilliant and I want one of you guys to read it. It's like much more... 
like everything that I've been reading recently has been quite fiction based and this is more non-fiction based but I'm really really enjoying it and I would recommend but anyway I need to go to the gym and I need to edit this and I'm so sorry that my voice sounds so horrific but the thought of talking properly like my throat is on fire right now and I need to go find some medicine ASAP but I hope you're having a lovely week and make sure you're following me on Instagram at you've got mail school pod or on TikTok at you've got mail school pod and let me know what you thought of the episode I'll speak to you soon love you bye